0: Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, aka Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holes Barred.
1: Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holes Barred with Eddie Goldman.
2: Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of Angry Afro Radio and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the Angry Afro Radio YouTube page. Our discussion took place Sunday, October 10th. We discussed Saturday's third fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder held in Las Vegas. Fury retained his WBC heavyweight belt with an 11th round knockout. While the fight was certainly entertaining with many dramatic twists and turns, we explained why this was not the quote instant classic, some have labeled it, and was instead plagued by numerous technical and tactical blunders by both fighters. Our reactions to it are similar to that of discussing a one-night stand the day right after it happened when sober thinking has finally returned. We also began a discussion of the ties between Fury and alleged organized crime kingpin Daniel Kenahan. Melissa Smith Also discussed Saturday's victory by Jamie Mitchell over Shannon Courtney to capture the WBA women's bantamweight belt and more of the latest women's boxing news. All this is part of our in-depth coverage of the corrupt world of boxing and sports governance in general. But before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHeart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or, to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com, that's dot com. And, Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, Fight Shop dot com. And... Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon. For much more No Holds Barred content, that's at patreon.com slash eddiegoldman. Now, you can also support our independent No Holds Barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini skirts at the new No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, no holds barred
0: welcome fight fans to the war room with chris eddie and melissa it is an exciting day because last night was the third fight between fury and wilder and oh boy my boy eddie is in the house and eddie tell the people what you call
2: this you compared this fight to a what a one night stand yeah yeah yeah. see that we're recording this on the sunday after the Saturday night that we thought when we're very tired and it was very late and we thought it was really thrilling and and memorable, much more memorable than it was. And now you wake up and it kind of dawned on me, it's like after something like that, a one-night stand, which goes way, way back into uh, my ancient history. So this is a little... (laughs) And I'm sure other people too, but this is a little thing that I wrote. This fight was like a one night stand when it's late and you're tired and maybe drunk, your standards deteriorate. You long for the climax as some sort of conquest or triumph. Then it happens. And for a wondrous moment, you feel like you've made it to Valhalla right after though you fall asleep. And when you awake, smelly and trying to become clear headed, you finally say grabbing your aching head. What the fuck happened last night? The euphoria had faded even before the effects of the liquor wore off. And now you must pull yourself together to face a new day. And now we're in the new day where we can more soberly evaluate what happened in this fight the trilogy fight with uh, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, which certainly had a lot of twists and turns, ups and downs. It had a certain amount of drama, but you can watch some of these cheap action movies and and see a lot of drama and back and forth in them too. And I think if you go back and, and watch this fight and don't pay too much attention to the announcing, whether you saw it on, the American broadcast of Fox and ESPN, or the British broadcast of BT Sport and where everything this is like the greatest things since sliced bread. Look at the technique and there, there were just so many mistakes, so many things below top level done by both fighters, which made it it did make it exciting in the moment because the outcome was in doubt. It was back and forth and back and forth. Uh, Wilder won the first round with the single shot jabs to the to the stomach. Fury didn't really know how to answer to the very end of the first round. The third round, you saw uh, Fury come back and he got the, the big knockdown and looked like, okay, maybe what some of us said was going to be right. This fight was going to be over more quickly than in the other fight but he couldn't fully put him away and then the fourth round of course when we're expecting okay now Fury is gonna finish him off instead Wilder comes back Fury was extremely sloppy just sort of lumbering around some cases his hands down and he's open for one of Wilder's big right hands and Wilder who was the heaviest, heaviest of his career, still hadn't run out of gas at that point, only in the fourth round. And he knocked down Fury. Fury was not really seriously hurt. He was hurt, but he was not out or unconscious. It wasn't like that 12th round knockdown in the first fight where he was out and then he, he arose. He got up and then he was knocked down again. And Wilder couldn't, Finish him off. And then in the fifth round, it appeared that maybe Fury won. It was a slower round as Wilder was starting to uh, to run out of gas. Fury was throwing a lot of punches in the sixth round. It still looked like he was lacking real power that he had in the previous fight. In the seventh round, Fury started to hurt Wilder, but Sugar Hill stored, was upset at the lack of jabs in between rounds. You could hear him say, jab the motherfucker, man, you know, because Fury was not did the basic boxing. So from this point on, of course, Fury was winning everything. Wilder would land a couple of shots here and there. In the 10th round, Wilder was down again, but also again, at the end of the round, he came back, but he was really tired. Both men were tired and extremely sloppy. Finally, in the 11th round, longer than at this point we expected it to go on, Fury knocked down Wilder. He went down. He was completely out and went down. The referee correctly immediately stopped it. There were five knockdowns in the fight. Wilder was knocked down three times. Fury was knocked down two times. There were just not enough jabs, not enough movement. And yeah, it was, it had that immediate excitement factor. But when you go back and look at it, this is clearly Fury's worst performance against Deontay Wilder. Because in the first fight, he boxed and moved and was very fluid. And of course, he got caught was knocked down twice, the dramatic 12th round knockdown where he got up and he came back to win the rest of the round. So Fury won probably nine, maybe 10 rounds of that fight. The second fight, Fury just marched forward on the front foot and dominated the whole fight and got the seventh round TKO. This was sort of a hybrid. It took Fury a while to adjust to Wilder, but he stopped just doing... Basic things: moving his head, throwing jabs, just boxing one-on-one type things. And and I think because of the 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 drama of the fight, a lot of people were just wow, what a great fight! A lot of people were saying, this is arguing which was the, the this the best heavyweight fight since Joshua and Klitschko since whenever the best. Trilogy since Holyfield and Bo, the best fight since Foreman and Lyle. I'm hearing all these types of things. I don't think so. I think it was, it had that, again, that immediate excitement factor. And that's why compared to a one night stand, and when you wake up on Sunday, you just say, ah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck was that? I got to get this out of here.
0: Right? <laughs> Chewing your arm off. Yes. Oh, Melissa, what, what was your take on that fight last? Well,
1: night? you know the right. drama to, to Eddie's point is just that our hearts were in our mouths because either man could have died in in the ring. I mean, and that's right. the reality. Right. Uh, they're both huge, they both hit hard, and when they go down, they really go down. Um, so that was part of it. Knowing that Wilder had been so seriously hurt in the second fight, and then had fired Mark Breland. After that fight for for throwing in the towel, um, you know, there was that undercurrent that, you know, I'm going to go out on my sword and I may be dead, but I'm not going to have anybody stop this fight. So there was that pressure and that anxiety throughout. And that is, to me, what the drama was all about. I think Eddie's right. Fury was sloppy at best. I mean, he did sneak in some cute little uppercuts. I mean, every so often he would have flourishes of of actual boxing, but um, he his and and certainly you know from about the fourth or fifth round, his head was in it, and and really trying to defend and and trying to uh, to win that battle, but um, certain his skills were appalling compared to what we the skill level we know he can be at. And, you know, he He even admitted it at the end of the fight saying, listen, this was not my best effort. I knew it wasn't, but he did get the win and he got the win in a war of attrition. Uh, and as I said, you know, it, it, to me in the later rounds, 9, 10, 11, as Wilder really was faltering and it was, to my mind, just going on muscle memory more than anything else because he was out on his feet. Um, Fury was a... Uh, starting to show some flurries of boxing. He was moving a little bit more, but still getting clocked, still with his hands down. And, um, you know, basically he was there to take Wilder's heart away and he did. He He beat him. He beat him hard. Do you you think that fight should have been stopped
0: at at round eight?
1: Well, certainly nine. Um, but that wasn't going to happen. And even in the 10th round after, uh, after that knockdown, there was a good re could have been a good reason to c- pull it at that time. Mm-hmm. And in the eleventh, you know, when he went down uh, and the he finally Wilder got back to his corner, you could see blood from his ears. He did go to the hospital. I mean, they didn't keep him overnight, so whatever damage was done, it was enough to let him go home. But. Right. I, to my mind, I don't think Wilder should ever fight again. I think he should be done. He got his. You think he
0: should retire. multiple? You don't. Think I think he should, he should be done. Andy Ruiz or Joshua or. No,
1: anybody. I think he needs to take his money and go home. Started. He's game. almost amazing.
2: thirty-six. He's going to be thirty-six in a, in a couple of days. He just got really banged around and knocked out hard. He was clearly concussed much earlier in the yeah. fight. Mm -hmm. because he looked like he was almost sleepwalking. He had that that look of somebody who was not entirely there. And he was able to survive because Fury couldn't really finish him properly. He had a dead man in front of him and he couldn't dispose of him. Right. You know, so is he going to is he going to fight again? This is not the smartest guy in the world. And wherever if he does fight again. It's going to he's going to get a lot more, a lot of money for his himself and his family. So he's going to have to make that decision in a while. He's obviously right. going to face a suspension. The, the, it's it would be interesting to find out if the who's going to face from, a
0: suspension.
2: Well, if well, he will get a medical suspension oh, from right, the, right, right, for, right. for the knockout, right. Right. but the blood from the ear. Was that just something, a laceration on the outer part or just, you know, the inner part? Or was that something more? Was there something else internally? We don't really know. It's too early. At least we don't know at this point. And I think he's going to want to continue to fight. I mean, look at all these, you know, Riddick Bow wanted to come back and, and fight, you know, Evander Holyfield. These guys just don't stop fighting until they're, they're, you know, put in, in the grave. Well, so I don't I th- think
0: that should be his last fight. I think he needs to do one more fight and let that be his last fight. It shouldn't be against Fury.
1: Well, yeah, I, all- mean, I mean, certainly he, he, he'll he have options and he'll be able to make a lot of money. Um, It may not be, it won't be for a title because they're all, you know, he's not going to fight Usyk. So um, it'll be... A contenders fight and, and whoever he is, why,
0: why can't he fight music?
1: Because Usyk is going to fight AJ and then why should he fight Wilder? No, why would
2: he do that? If if music if beats Joshua again with his three belts, he's going to have three mandatories and none. Although now that he's no longer WP champion, he could be ranked by some of these other these other outfits. But it's, he's going to have his hands full with these mandatories after yeah. the rematch, assuming he isn't even stripped by one of them for having an immediate rematch. So I think you can make an argument today that the best boxer in the heavyweight division, based on what we've seen over the last few weeks, with one caveat, is Alexander Usyk. Mm. However, if he would fight Fury, he'd be even if he came in as big as he did or a little bigger than he did in the fight with Joshua, he'd still be giving up about 50 pounds and maybe Fury would come in lighter for that fight than he did, than he did with Wilder, but he'd still be giving up an enormous size advantage, both in terms of height and weight. Could he outbox them? It's certainly, it's certainly possible, but Usyk is also 34 already. And that fight with Joshua was his best fight is he starting to peak? We don't know the answer to, to all these different these different questions. And then we got boxing politics coming into play because of Usyk fights, Joshua again, they're talking in, in the first half of 2022. okay? let's for the, the sake of argument, let's assume that fight happens what's Fury going to do in early 22? Is he going to fight his WBC mandatory Dillian white? Can he really get up for that fight? He should be able to defeat white, but we don't really know what's going to happen. There's just so many variables in all this. And we're dealing with a lot of guys that are in their thirties that have a lot of wear and tear on them. Where does a fighter like Joe Joyce come in who has less wear and tear on him as a, as a professional, and there's a WBO mandatory, and he's a very tough fighter. It just, there's just so many variables in terms of what goes on. I mean, I don't expect Wilder's going to retire unless he's forced to retire. And even if one of the commissions like Nevada says you can't fight here anymore, he'll go to Florida, he'll go to Alabama, where he's from, he'll go somewhere, Saudi Arabia, he'll go somewhere, and maybe they'll give him a relatively easy fight or so who knows or maybe they'll make him an opponent for the pvc because they had a bunch of their up-and-coming fighters on uh, the undercard of this show there are a lot of different options i just don't think he's smart enough to retire i think andre ward was very smart to retire when in his early 30s when he did and even after taking some time off and coming back and realizing you know i'm not going to get any better I'm only going to get banged up even more very few people retire when when they could before they see the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know that Wilder is like that and I don't know that Wilder even understands what happened because he wouldn't fury went over to him afterwards in the corner after the fight and wanted to do the sort of pro forma Good fight, great fight, thanks, blah, blah, blah. He wouldn't even do that. And today the news reports say that his trainer, Malik Scott, said he's still mad at Fury for all of these conspiracy theory allegations about him. The the man is not the brightest bulb in the pack. And that is going to lead to exploitation. And if he comes back next year, he's still marketable. Because he showed a tremendous amount of heart and courage by not quitting in this fight and fighting on several rounds after he was basically done and out on his feet and even making some of them not completely, but relatively competitive. So he's still marketable to a certain segment of people who basically who don't know shit about boxing, but (laughs) Uh,
1: maybe you can bite Jake Paul.
2: But, oh, I know. <laughs> well, that's But actually, I those it. guys are around. Yeah. that Those guys are around too.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, the thing was in the first round, you know, Wilder with his jabs and, you know, jabs to the body and looking strong. I mean, he had about one round where he attempted to box. Right. And I by thought the he second looked good round, in that
0: round. I said, if he had kept that up the whole entire time, he might've but, given You a, know, he, he, he would have been
1: a different battle because yeah. Tyson Fury was not prepared and it was clear that he was not prepared. He was not in his peak training. He even said it. He'd gone home. He's, you know, he's had COVID this summer. I mean, there's all these things and he was not peak Tyson Fury in terms of his conditioning. More than that, his boxing conditioning, he was obviously in shape enough. He, his brains never really left him. And even in the 11th round, he was hopping. You know, he was when he was throwing out his jab, he was hopping, he was jumping in, Mm -hmm. um, which is something Wilder had long lost. So uh, Fury, you know, had conditioning, had some deep conditioning that was still kicking in, although his boxing was sloppy. He was not on his Yeah,
0: I mean, Wilder looked completely gassed.
1: Wilder was out from the eighth round. He was just asleep by 9, 10. Forget about it. If he got shots off, it's muscle memory just. Like, yeah, he right. had a okay, lot of heart coming though. in that was a lot of heart.
0: Tremendous heart. Tremendous yeah. heart. Because most people would have quit on the stool. I might have had to quit on the stool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fury referenced a couple of things that uh, nobody really followed up upon. He said there was some problems in his training camp. I mean, everybody knew about it. He had the problem with his, his daughter was born and had to spend some time in the ICU. And then, of course, he had COVID. He also might have been training for a real long time because he thought at first, back in May or June or wherever it was, he was going to fight Joshua Mm -hmm. in August. Then he had to switch up. Then he was going to fight Wilder in July Then COVID. All of this stuff is kind of a disrupted uh, training camp rather than just being isolated not involved with anything and you focus on your training for for six eight weeks or whatever we would you'd want to do it people really didn't follow up because the media just doesn't follow up on these things and even in a lot of the post fight interviews that i've read and post fight analyses i've seen these videos and read these articles just really not followed up upon and in terms of being in shape he was only something like four pounds heavier than when he fought Wilder the second time. But when he weighed in, this time, he was wearing his sneakers and a hat. And so that accounted for a couple of pounds. But he also seemed to noticeably have more flare around Mm -hmm. his his waist. So when he had COVID, you know, when you get COVID, you get ill and things like this happen, you generally lose weight. And some of it is water and fat, but some of it is also muscle mass. So I don't know how much he it takes a while to completely come back and not everybody completely comes back. So and as a man who is known for alcohol and drug abuse, that will hurt your ability to completely, fully, immediately recover from COVID. So these are some factors but people are just celebrating, you know, the media is just celebrating and repeating what the promoters said, the greatest heavyweight fight they've right. seen, blah, 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 blah. And it was no, not. We, we've
1: all seen better. The other thing about Wilder, you know, he kept telling, you know, I can bench press 350 pounds, blah, 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 So, you know, he did come in very muscle bound. We all know, you know, from the boxing side, that's not what you do when you train, you're not sitting there with heavy weights, So we don't know how, how locked up he really was from all of that weight training and what effect that had on his camp. Um, So I think you're right, Eddie, you know, there's not enough focus on, on those factors and what they were coming into the ring with. Obviously, you know, Wilder did have a game plan of sorts other than just I'll clock them with my right and they'll go to sleep but um, he wasn't able to sustain it and his trainer was not able to keep him on focus and on task pretty much uh, by the third round. He, he tried was just, though. Malik he tried.
0: He told him, he was like, dude, you can't get out, be
1: out there being complacent and lazy. Now, and why is your hand down? And right? you know, where's exactly. the phone? Where's the phone? Exactly. You know, and this is sort of basic stuff. Basic shit, Right. And uh, so it was good that he was able to say all of that to Fury, but whether fury it ever registered i mean frankly even in the wild. first round he's just kind of weaving in and out it just he didn't look right to me ever in that fight Wilder. even with his very excellent first round where he was throwing jabs and, and trying to be controlled his in what he was game. doing he, needs to
0: get he that did mental
1: not game. look right to me his mental he game is
2: fucked up but who's but whose idea was it for him to put on all that weight and to come in all muscled up. That's related to Malik Scott. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I
0: think no. I I agree that he might have, but should have done some strength training, which is different. That's than different. Adding than muscle bench mass, right? Adding muscle pounds. mass because he does need to be able to push. I mean, come on, this, this is a heavyweight division where a Absolutely. guy who weighs fifty pounds more than you can step in the ring with you, which is not fair. I mean, Tyson Fury should be in his own. They should have a super heavyweight. Category.
1: they should have a giant right the, super <laughs> giant.
2: Well, the WBC wants that with the Bridger weight <laughs> 224 bullshit. which I so think it's
0: not a fair fight. First of all, and and if he had just focused on strength training instead of building muscle mass, he would have been. It able would have been, been better around. served, right? Well,
2: that's exactly. his trainer. That's also partially his trainer's fault. That's his conditioning
0: and coach's fault. His conditioning coach should have told Malik, "Look, you can't build all this muscle and have him exactly. and think he's going to last so, for twelve rounds. It's not it it's
2: exactly Malik. right. So you they, exactly, you got to look at. That's a mistake from bringing in a relatively inexperienced trainer. You weren't exactly bringing in Whitey Bimstein or Charlie Goldman or Gil Clancy or Angie Dundee or Emmanuel Stewart or somebody like that. You're bringing in a guy that's relatively new and just said, oh, you got to be stronger. And so we'll have you be bragging about your bench pressing. Weightlifting is an Olympic sport, at least for now. Anyway, it's a great sport on its own, but you don't see weightlifters competing and doing well on an elite level in combat sports and vice versa. You don't see combat sports athletes competing in weightlifting and doing well on an elite level. They're different sports. They have different skills. So that, that's something that, but that's, that's nothing. No, I'm not saying anything right. that in any, you know, if you know the slightest thing about boxing training, you should know that
1: and and it's absolutely the case. And and you know, to your point Chris, yeah, conditioning is a whole other thing. Right. And doing some cross training while you're training for your boxing match Recovery, is really helpful.
0: Sleeping all of that counts.
1: All of that, but right. you know, diet, when you're eating, how you're uh-huh. eating, when you're taking your protein. I mean, that's all very very important. Even road work, not doing too much road work. All of those things affect conditioning. Um and that was, you know, clearly Wilder's problem. He, he, his conditioning became suspect from, you know, the middle rounds. He just wasn't there. He was on right. fumes. And yeah. um, then he, you know, when he was doing all of these punches, he, they were coming from, you know, left field into right field. So the, he was really tremendous amount of energy every time he threw a punch, whether he landed it or not. And when he was landing it, it wasn't landing with the kind of force that it should have been landing um, in those later rounds because he was just so out of it. He wasn't putting himself in the kind of position that would allow him to use the momentum of his physical body and where he was placing his body as he's throwing those punches. In that sense, Fury, even though he was sloppy and everything else, he was using his body mechanics better.
0: He used he his was, body as another damn fist. I mean, well, if, yeah, let me just lay on you. <laughs> I mean, uh, aside from hello, all the laying on, I mean, you know, damn,
1: those cute little uppercuts really were beautiful. Oh,
0: yeah, he got and they weren't, I don't know why Wilder wasn't
1: throwing uppercuts like that. I was like, come on, I don't do know something because he's, he's not a no good reference. boxer, he's, he's a not terrible a tough boxer, boxer.
2: Right.
1: always was a terrible boxer. He was a one trick pony with a right hand that put people to sleep. And yeah, it's great that, you know, listen, Mark Breeland tried for years to train him. He knew he had, a, you know, a, a, a racehorse that, you know, just as right. skittish and is only going to do one thing. And he worked as best as he could and he got within by those on parameters. Right yeah. And,
2: and, and Breeland ends up getting fired and accused of uh, sabotaging yep. his, you know, his, his right. efforts.
1: Exactly. And Breland, you know, was a great boxer himself. And, and he, it's not like he wasn't a fighter. He really knows what it is to be in the ring. He knows what it is to lose. He knows what it is to win. He has a real sensitivity to all of that and had worked with him for a very long time. So that was a, a tough breakup. Happens. Malik Scott comes in, you know, tries to retool him a little. But Wilder,
0: tried. you know... By the third
2: round, he was right back to the same old shit. Yep. I got to add on another angle to this fight that hasn't really been covered yet. We've been discussing it, but hasn't really been covered yet too much in the United States. Are a lot of reports in the Irish media and now the British media about the ties, the continuing ties between Tyson Fury and Daniel Kinahan, and we're gonna hopefully get something. We thought maybe we'd do something on it this week, but it was like too soon to to arrange it. Plus we really had to focus on the fight itself, but this is gonna, with Fury now solidifying his position in people's minds as the number one heavyweight in the world. You can argue all that, but I think he's a consensus, number one heavyweight in the world. Whoever, regardless of whoever holds these different sanctioning body belts, there's going to be a lot more attention given to him. This fight was in Las Vegas. So these reports from Ireland and the UK are going to get more attention about him in terms of who Daniel Kinahan is, how the Irish courts have said that Kinahan is the key figure in the Kinahan organized crime group which is an international consortium involved in all the wonderful things such as uh, drug selling, gun running, money laundering and all these these other things. And this has been exposed time and time again. And the him say, oh, I'm not involved in boxing anymore. And then the next time the reports come out, he's negotiating the fights. He's a, quote, advisor, which, by the way, in American law, you have promoters and managers. You don't have advi- an advisor. There's nothing. American law hasn't caught up with it. So now he not only apparently still has ties with Fury, but he's a quote advisor now to Terrence Crawford, I know, according that's to the crazy. media reports, who's mm-hmm. so also, surprise, surprise promoted by Top Rank. So oh, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that is very, uh, very suspicious and we're going to see if we can play some role in bringing, bringing more of that information to uh, for people to to understand. You can find all this stuff online. Just use uh, our friend, uh, Dr. Google, and look a lot of this stuff up, <laughs> and you find a lot of these articles, and they're almost all in English, too. So uh, if you want to read real English from the Irish and British press, rather than American English, you you find a lot of this. So I think we have, to look, we have to look at that playing a role, perhaps, in the heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't disrupt the fights, the authorities could start at some point looking at this, not the Nevada State Athletic Commission, but some other authorities at some point.
0: Well, the woman that we're going to uh, sit with, the author, her name is Nic- Nicola Talent. And she wrote a book called Clash of the Clans. And I'm reading that right now. And it is a page turner. And I'll, I've, I'm like fearing for her life right now, reading this book. <laughs> like, so I look forward to having her on the show with us to discuss this. Maybe next week we'll get her in.
2: All yeah, right. she also She also has her own podcast, Crime World. And she covers organized crime. In general, but since Kinahan and his group is so uh, pro- so prominent in it, she's focused a lot on that, too. I mean, I've covered that on No Holds Barred when it's mentioned COVID. The first show that I did when I came back last year from having to take some time off to recover from COVID was with investigative reporter Declan Hill and focused on Kinahan. And we went through a lot of the history up to that time when Fury was publicly thanking Kinahan for arranging what we thought anyway would be the Fury-Joshua fight. And that still, that relationship still exists at this point. So a lot, lot going on. And some other people have in the U.S. have covered it. Uh, Kurt Amhoff did some work on it. Uh, I think that was on his show at the time. And Ring magazine, but not too much. And I haven't seen any mention of it in all the articles that I've read about this last fight. I haven't seen any mention of Kinahan.
0: No, they're, they they will scrub it as soon as it's mentioned. It will probably be scrubbed because they don't want to talk. They don't want anybody talking about this.
1: No, no, no. So. This is yeah, yeah. But we're, we're all it, about Nicholas winning. Will,
0: Clash of the clans is good. So you guys pick that up.
2: Nicola Uh, Talent. You can she's on Twitter and you can look up the book and all that.
1: Uh, Yeah, I got the book on Kindle, so I've been reading it on that since yesterday. So it's it's really it's great. And and you know, we when especially in the United States, we we think of the mafia as um, you know, the the godfather movies, but it's still alive and well. Uh Um, and very connected into money laundering around the world. And sports is a brilliant place to park your funds, yeah. as we've seen it just in our coverage of AIBA and those problems. So why wouldn't it be in professional boxing?
2: Yeah. Last year we did organ. Last week we did organized crime and rock them off and amateur boxing. And now we start to mention Kenahan and organized crime (laughs) and professional boxing. Is there any other kind of boxing left? I don't think so.
0: No, (laughs) probably not. No, (laughs) semi-pro. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Whatever. All right.
0: So, uh, Melissa, did we have any women's, uh, fights to cover this week? Yeah, we
1: did. We, we had a great fight last night uh, in England, um, on matrim, um, uh, uh, Shannon uh, Courtney who is uh had been the WBA um weight uh title holder came in two and a half pounds overweight so she left her her belt on the scales. Oh
0: ouch, ouch. did she get fined fine for that she lose money no too? she didn't
1: get fined she just lost her belt oh. um and she was fighting uh an American fighter Named Jamie Harrison, who beat her ass good <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> to pick up the belt. Um, she wow. really did a beautiful job of pure boxing. You know, she she's uh promoted by Brian Cohn, who has a lot of female boxers in the United States, including uh, Callie Reese and some other champions. And she just boxed beautifully. If you can catch the fight on uh on, on the DAZN website, or it may end up on YouTube, really worth watching. She did a beautiful job. Shannon, uh, Courtney was, uh, let's say less than gracious at, at the close of that bout, claiming I won, blah, 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 blah. Well, then she kind of backed down a little bit, but um, it, it was really a beautiful exhibition of boxing on actually what was a very nice card on match room, including the, the Liam Smith fight. Um, but I, I got to say, she did a beautiful job. She brings the WBA belt back. Weights uh, are a really beautiful division right now. So there's some really great stuff. I'm right. told that there is going to be a rematch, um, which I was kind of surprised by, given that she lost the belt on the scales. I don't know why there would be a rematch, but I'm told the contract could call for one. So I guess the lawyers will have to take a look at that very carefully, whether there was a clause that said, hey, if you lost it before you ever fought because of weight, um, you'd have an issue. Um, One thing that came out of this is she claimed that she was up two and a half pounds because she started menstruating. So she had, you know, fluid weight that a lot of female boxers are like, get the fuck out of here. But Sorry, you should've known. No,
0: I mean that's true. You do gain a couple
1: pounds during, your but cycle. you you also know when it's coming. Uh, so and and two and a half pounds is a lot of weight over there. So there's some controversy there, especially around women fighters going. Mm, I don't care. <laughs> don't talk to me about. They should have had a
0: catch weight just because of the cycle shit.
1: The yeah i mean catch, you're, the you're, you you, you signed the, on the dotted line that was your responsibility i don't want to hear it so and then now then there's some reports well maybe there were other issues at camp who cares she lost this uh young fighter uh who now well she's not that young she's 36 years old i think she goes to seven and one with this win or seven oh and one uh, she had one draw and uh brings the belt back to the united states right so everybody's on. happy there and um, you know, we'll see if there is a rematch, whether that rematch is gonna occur again in London, in England. Uh, I will say there was some controversy on the scoring. One of the judges had it 95, 95, and we're all like, oh. I had it 97, 93. The other scores are 96, 94, 97, 93. There were people that even had it, um, you know, 98, 92. So We'll see, but that was really kind of exciting. And then we have some big boxing coming up. We've got um, the uh, the uh, uh, whole bunch of 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 fights coming up. We have the first of the um, super uh, the junior welterweight fights uh, that'll start to happen. Trying to unify all the belts, Uh, so those are coming up in October. We've got Michaela. Mayor is going to fight Hamadouche in November 5th to try to do the um, the junior lightweight start junior lightweight unification. We hear Tari Harper is going to come back sooner rather than later. Um, I'll also add that Tasha Jonas was supposed to also fight on yesterday's card uh, in in Liverpool. But um, again, there were issues finding uh, opponents for her. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. I'll try to get some more information on it. But otherwise a really exciting fight uh, worth, worth watching with some good skills.
0: Outstanding, my beautiful people. Eddie, you have anything else for us you wanna to cover today? <laughs>
2: Just, I just want to add on a, on a rare MMA note that coming up in, in a couple of weeks is going to be the final fight in the very storied career of the man that I still think is the greatest MMA fighter of all time, Fedor Melianenko. And he's going to be having his retirement fight on Bellator uh, coming up. He's way, the guy is way way past his prime, but in the uh, from the the first decade of the two thousands, this guy was such a complete fighter for MMA. He could box. He had power. He could grapple and wrestle. He had submissions. He applied a lot of the tools of combat sambo very successfully and had a ten year unbeaten streak in a sport where it's much more difficult to go unbeaten than it is in in boxing because you have fewer rounds and there are more ways to win. And yet after about 2010, 2011, he really started fading. And right now he's sort of a hero in Russia. But you might want to just for old time's sake catch his last fight in Bellator and maybe watch some of his early fights. And also unlike most other MMA fighters, He really comes off with humility and respect. And I've interviewed him a number of times and where a lot of these other people sound like uh, they're at a Donald Trump rally or something, he does he does not. So I actually have a little clip, maybe we could run it briefly next week, a short clip of a, a media interview that, uh, that about his legacy that we could run on the show, just to sort of pay respects to him. And also, I don't know, has it been finalized when the uh, Tiafima Lopez-Cambosis fight is next? I know that's gone back to match room, but uh, we should look if there's a specific date and venue on that. I'm not sure if they've actually worked out all the details on that, but that's going to be interesting to see how all the crap with the the Triller clowns has affected Tiafima Lopez, how sharp he is having sat out about a year till he fights a guy that he's widely expected to uh, defeat. And then also at the end of the month, I think Claressa Shields make that crossover uh, situation again, is going to be fighting her second MMA fight. So we'll see what happens with that. And before the end of the year, she wants to box again. So we'll see whether her appearances in MMA have built up some more support among these promoters and networks to put her back in the boxing ring, which is really where she belongs. Right. I agree.
0: All right. Well, I think that about covers everything for fight week, October 10th, right here in the war room. (laughs) We have a new website guys coming up. So you guys, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, turn on notifications. Um, Eddie you want to tell the people where they can
2: find you yeah you could I put like a new picture up but I might make a, a bigger one that one's from a, a few years ago my website is eddiegoldman.com you can go to my patreon.com slash Goldman where I have a lot of premium stuff where you could subscribe to and twitter at, Ed, at NHB news and you'll sometimes see me Roaming around New York City, but not not as much these days. Until uh, the pandemic really is pretty Over. much finished. Yep. All
0: right. All right, Melissa. Tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Yeah, cool. So uh,
2: I, on
1: social media, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Girl Boxing Now. Uh, certainly post with some regularity. Then I have a website, girlboxing.org. Do check it out. I have lots of links, including to my book, A History of Women's Boxing. Um, and um, and some mornings of the week, working out at Gleason's gym. That's right. I see you over there. I'm going to come <laughs> to New York so we can spar. Oh, I'd love it. <laughs>
0: That's right. Let's do it. All right, my beautiful people. This is your fight goddess. I'm in Los Angeles and on Twitter at Angry Afro Radio angry afro radio you guys have a fantastic day and we'll see you next time peace
2: no holds barred is brought to you by lennyhart.com the home of lenny hart the legendary mma and sports announcer voice actor singer actress and comedian Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag. The perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skull's double end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skull's Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skull's. That's skullzfightshop.com and Adolfina Studios original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com. That's e t s y dot com slash shop slash Studios, that's Adolphina Studios. That's a d o l p h i n a Studios. Also. Please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content that's at patreon.com slash Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent No Holds Barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini skirts at the new No holds barred with Eddie Goldman's shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.